This is episode 63 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Welcome. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I have a completely numb lower lip. <laughs> Blake just had some dental work done, so we're going to apologize in the beginning in case he has a very interesting accent compared to his usual interesting <laughs> accent. There's going to be a lot of bells ringing yes. uh, <laughs> this, this episode. And my love, do you want to tell the people why I... Um, why I have well uh, we mentioned on the previous episode of was it the listener feedback one or mm-hmm. was it yeah um, that Blake was biting into a delicious piece of focaccia bread that's right and broke off half of his tooth now mind you it was a tooth he's had work done on it I think he just broke off the crown we have no idea what happened but um, <laughs> all of a sudden like didn't have even started we were just given this piece of bread by this woman next to us interesting story you'll just have to go back to the previous no no we didn't we didn't tell this we, we didn't tell the whole story oh well, you just said that I broke my tooth. Yeah, this like woman sitting next to us was literally like, "You guys have to try this bread." She just went. She was that. That's how she was talking. She was very, very excited, and I think had been drinking a good amount of wine. Who knows what gave us her bread? <laughs> literally off of her plate. I ate it. I would. I would be like Alice in Wonderland. She like, was like, "Mary's me. like this okay. lady. Mary's like this lady's best friend ever." And we've known this lady now for about oh three and a half seconds. Blake bites into the bread and breaks his tooth so that the, the weird part of it is that this lady is literally shoving her plate in in front of my face and was like try the bread try the bread try the bread and i'm like and then mary's like okay no problem i'll try the bread <laughs> so now i feel like the asshole <laughs> I if like i don't that. if i don't eat the bread i like that that's the sound of me eating bread <laughs> yeah wow and i'm attractive and, and not only not only did i break my tooth it was about two hours into our vacation that we just had. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> hey, yeah, it's all good. That's that. Well, we wanted to remind everyone that there's this wicked awesome post on the Outlander cast blog. A couple of them now. Uh, it's actually uh, a, a social media roundup uh, of all of the major players for Outlander. And uh, one of our amazing writers, Janet Reynolds, she does these uh, social media roundups. Uh, so the, the whole idea is that you can check out all of the great things that are happening on social media from Ron Moore or Terry Dresbach or um, uh, Matt B. Roberts or whoever, you know, John Gary Steele, whatever. Uh, she takes all of that, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, and puts it all in one article so that you are able to read what is happening in the social media world. Amazing, convenient, and right at your doorstep. Right there. Boom. Just by point and click, baby. You got the social media world ready at your fingertips. Uh, and I think that's it for now, my love. Are you ready to get into the listener feedback for Preston Pans? You got it. Let's do it.
Kathy Van Wessip wrote in on the website, I wanted to comment on the first 20 minutes that Blake didn't care for. Historically, the treatment of this entire battle was accurate. Sullivan and Murray hated each other, and their inability to work together filtered down to the troops and may have been the biggest element that caused them to lose at Culloden. Prince Charles was weak and indecisive, and John Sullivan knew him as a child, so he relied a great deal on Sullivan's opinion and was uncomfortable without it when the decision had to be made to trust Mr. Anderson and let him lead them down the British camp by night. It is important that we see the extent of this conflict at high command and the effect it has on the fighting men's morale. We will see more of this as we continue towards Culloden, indecision followed by poor decisions, undue delays, allowing the British to organize themselves on the battlefield. The entire endeavor was unfunded, uh, underfunded, mismanaged, and ultimately led to defeat and the destruction of the Highland clans and their culture, which never recovers. So yeah, there, Blake... I, yeah, I mean, listen, is it historically accurate? Sure. Is it compelling television? No. It was just boring. It, and it's not that it's not needed. Yeah, sure, it's needed. And it, it's got, it's you know, a good amount of context, but... You found we, it boring. I found it boring. Can we tell, can we do a, you know, a better way of telling it? Marty B. wrote in, regarding your theories about Jamie's motivation in the peacup scene after Callier, is that how he would say it? Clear? What would you, how would you say it? Clear. What? No, he wrote C A L I R. <laughs> it's not my fault that Marty doesn't <laughs> wrote Claire totally wrong. Hey, Marty, this one's for you. <laughs> Marty, you yes, you deserve that bell because I can't. Uh-huh. I'm literally like Ron Burgundy. I will read what is written <laughs> after Claire. Okay, so now it makes I'm sense. Ron Burgundy. After Claire gave him the cup, <laughs> now it makes sense. Anyway, let me start back over. So regarding Jamie's motivation with the peacup, after Claire gave him the cup, he walked past Rupert and the dead crofters' beds and saw their dejected friends. I thought I saw a decision on his face that he needed to cheer them and everyone else a little up and bring joy back of the win. So his eyes lit on the British soldier and he saw an opportunity to do that to take the edge off their presence. I like this idea, even though we Ron Burgundy did the hell out of it. Yeah, sorry. San Diego. Whale's <laughs> vagina. Diane Roden, you guys mentioned so much that I loved. Since I've been complaining all season about how the show has handled Jamie and Claire, I wanted to add my appreciation of how beautiful they were in this episode, especially the parting and the reunion. No matter how much they un- each understand about the danger, this is the first time Claire has sent Jamie off to battle mm. and the first time Jamie has left her to go to war. It really hit them even in the middle of kissing when they stopped to look at each other with a whole new level of what they meant to each other. All they'd gone through, everything they have to lose was just written on their faces. Then the strength to pull themselves together to do what had to be done. They're both soldiers. Jamie's bow, mirroring the one that they had before their wedding. Oh my God, that did me in for the rest of the episode. Then the reunion, not only a victory they share, but the relief to see each other again. I have to mention both makeup and lighting here. They made Jamie's face a shade of pale we've never seen on him before. While he and Claire embraced, his face was so naked, it reflected both of their emotions. As if it were possible, these actors showed yet another escalation in Claire and Jamie's awareness of what they might lose, with barely a word said. I'd say more about brilliant acting if I wasn't too caught up at the time to notice that they were. Diane, this is for you. Bam! Just like that. 
it, we're we're only like six or seven minutes into this show, and uh, not eight minutes, and we're we're talking uh, <laughs> comment of the show so far. That is absolutely brilliant. Great, great, great uh, insight into what was being represented there. On email, Christine wrote it and so said, so what if Claire does change history? Do you remember in season one when she flashed forward to Culloden with Frank and she saw the stone marker for the Mackenzies? Did she see one for the Frasers? I don't remember. Maybe, just maybe, she stopped the Mackenzies from fighting, but replaced them with Frasers. Maybe, just maybe, they will go back to Culloden and, and see that there are different stones. She couldn't stop the battle. But she changed who fought in it. Ooh, I like this mm-hmm. idea. I mean, I'm not sure what it accomplishes, but it makes sense. And I, I think I could, I can co-sign on this one. I'm just gonna say patience, little grasshopper. <laughs> Rock Howard and hi, Marion Blake. I really enjoyed your broadcast tonight. I thought this episode was very enjoyable, but I will only give it. For kilts, says Raquel. The reason for that, my bad, is as Blake said, the first 20 minutes, it totally focused on the men. Where was Claire? If they would have intertwined Jamie's leadership skills and intelligence and shown Claire being his equal in how she uses her skills and leads her troops, it would have been a better use of time. I believe Iris Stephen Bear is the writer is the writer responsible for Angus and Rupert pairing and making them such lovable and funny characters. My good is how he showed how the original Outlander group interacted with each other, showing them as they were and should be. And this is why he's the perfect author for this episode. Dougal was the Dougal we all knew. Do you think he's bipolar? Mm-hmm. Mm. He also made me love Ross and his buddy. And I think my crying started with Ross's loss of his friend. His friend's name, by the way, is it's Kincaid. Or, it, yeah, Kincaid. It, yeah. Yep. Um, Log carrier number two. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> my grade, of course, was showing some intimacy between Claire and Jamie and just how this episode made me cry. And cry, especially at the loss of Angus. I thought the prince was hysterical in his kilt, which was always so perfect and clean. (laughs) I think Dougal is truly disappointed in who he was fighting for, the prince being a disappointment to him. Do you think if the prince wasn't such an idiot, and instead of trying to take the British Empire, but only tried to separate Scotland and rule that country, that there may have been a different outcome? Hmm. Uh, That's a very good question. Although I will say that, you know, Scotland is part of, you know, the, the UK. And at this point, they are united. You're a united country. Mm-hmm. Right. So regardless of whatever the, the prince does, if it's just to separate Scotland or take England or whatever, the English are still going to be pretty jerked off. Yeah. And I think they're still going to get Lord Cumberland over there. And they probably would ha- wouldn't have been as desperate because hindsight tells us that the Jacobites had gotten all the way down to near London. Uh, before they actually came and, you know, they were at Culloden, obviously, and they got a little bit further down, and then they got swiped back up. So, yeah, I think it'd go either way there. Uh, Raquel also says that I was also not as thrilled about how they used Lieutenant Foster. I would have liked to see him get taken back to the clinic, obviously not by Dougal, and have some interaction with Claire and maybe have a talk with her. See her happy marriage and she telling him of how BJR treated her, punching her, threatening her to take her to custody, all of it. Uh, all because of how Lieutenant thought he was protecting her or something along those lines. And last, I'm looking forward to Diana's next episode, of course, because Diana has written it, where Murtaugh gets his vengeance, he promised, at least by the title of the episode. It makes me sad that there are only three episodes left, and I wish people would stop 
counting down to the finale. <laughs> My theory is most of it will be in the future, and that will make me very sad. I hope it ends with the hope the book gives us, or maybe some of it goes into Voyager. Hmm. You see, the whole thing between Claire and Lieutenant Foster, uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I what I think, t- t- my, in my opinion, what Lieutenant Foster represented was a personal connection for us to the British Army. Aside from BGR. Aside from, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all we get to see, correct. Yeah, but it's a personal connection. We we know his history. We know who he is, relatively. Mm-hmm. And Dougal just kills him. Foster seemed the sensible British person. Mm-hmm. And you have the Scot now killing and pillaging, pillaging the, the sensible British psyche, essentially. Yeah. And now the gloves are off for both for both parties, right? Dougal, Dougal is, uh, you know, was vile mm-hmm. in his act. I like that. I like giving it a face, especially because, you know, not everyone who wears a red coat is Black Jack Randall. Right. Really, uh, Black Jack Randall is Black Jack Randall. And I'm not to say that there aren't many other bad red coats, but a lot of them are just these young guys. Right. And and with that said, again, it's it's now, it's a philosophical thing too. The, the, the barbarian Scott is killing the, 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 um, reasonable Englishman, and now all of it's falling apart, mm-hmm. and the the gloves really are off now, and uh, the sensible Englishman will probably no longer be around. It's just going to be a really hard battle, in my opinion. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like to me. What did our friends on Facebook say? Angela Young says, just listen to your podcast. Great stuff, as always. Personally, I loved the P-Jaw wager. I'd actually forgotten that it was in the book. Even seeing pictures of Jamie with the job prior to watching the episode didn't tweak my memory. So I was worried that he was going to ask the British soldier to pee in it. I loved the soldier's suspicion as Jamie approached. It was such a relief when Jamie told him to hold it with that twinkle in his eye. And the soldier twigged and... Twigged? Sure. Twigged and broke out in a smile. Here in the UK, I'd call this banter between guys. It's a bit of a rib-poking bonding. I like the interaction and what it represents. It's showing the kind of man and leader that Jamie is. He understands that there are no winners in the war for the soldiers on the ground, that they are all just men at the end. And he's showing that when you are in a better position than the opposition, you can you can afford to conduct yourself with a little grace. Jamie, of course, has the benefit of knowing Claire, the, through Claire that what it is to come, so he knows that there is much more to this than just getting out the vengeance on the British. All of this serves to be the contrast to Dougal's behavior. Angela Hickey writes in, Dougal and Jamie, terrific job of the writers and show to convey so much about both characters in comparison and contrast, as well as relationship. So much is told by the little moments. Jamie has a respect for Dougal's skill and courage. There's a part of him that loves Dougal's charm and bravado. He wants to use that to his advantage, but he also knows that if left unchecked, his mouth and temper will take over and cause problems. Jamie knows when to step back and give him his moment in the sun. A good leader does. Jamie walks that tightrope with Dougal through the episode. He definitely has a little bit of Colum, the manipulator, and the old fox twister in him, but knows how to control it. So glad they kept the pee scene. Jamie has such a knack of leading men while fostering a sense of brotherhood. Dougal has issues. He lets his thirst, blood, bloodlust, and emotions take over his judgment. You can clearly see why Colum wanted Jamie over his brother to take over the mm, clan. Yep, yep. 
No, we didn't get a sex scene, but the two kissing scenes with Jamie and Claire when he left for the battle and when he came back had that sense of desperate passion and longing we have missed this season that it is a cornerstone of Claire and Jamie. You got that sense of him connecting to her and not wanting to let her go. Both of these moments wrenched my gut. Jamie is seeing the possible end and drinks in every touch like it's his last. Mm. My only bad was actually the opening scene. That was supposed to happen much later after things really start to get going south a bit. The podcast said they moved the scene up from a later episode because they didn't like the way this one opened. But to me, it didn't fit here. They're on the road. Why? And it's snowing in mid-September. It didn't make sense to me. Other than that, this episode was a triumph for all departments. And you know what, Angela? The snow threw me off as well. I forgot to mention it in our previous episode. Mm, yeah. So the opening scene, of course, where Claire sees the dead corpse. Um, and there was some some talk about in, in the books uh, about how he had kind of this blue hue on him. And so also if you want to draw into this blue kind of conversations that we had in Mastery oh, Month. Anyway, um, but the snow. I sat there too and I went, why is it snowing? <laughs> when does it start to snow in Scotland? I feel like Scotland's weather's like, you know, comparable to here-ish. Yeah, you know, I, I was not even aware of the snow. And maybe it's just because <laughs> I was, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't paying attention, enough attention. I but, always pay, pay attention when oh, there's well, snow. Of course you do. You love snow. It's snow, snow's middle your name favorite. is snow. <laughs> True story, guys. My it daughter's is. middle name is snow because I love it that That's much. Right. That's right. Katie Seelinger wrote in, watching Preston Pans finally sealed the deal for me about the Bonnie Prince. The idea of him being the bad guy is one that I have been considering giving his irritating ability to muster up people to his divine cause. Plus, the show has been working the angle of the English and the Blackjack, Blackjack Randall as the antagonist. But now, I am full-on angry and emotionally upset at what he is doing to our passionate Scots. His stubborn idiocy is actively screwing them over, and we are seeing the violent loss of life as a result. Counter to his short-sighted remark, 100 Dougals would not win the war, given our knowledge of how the British Army works, which is clearly what he is ignorant of. And now, because of his moment with Jamie, we know that he has daddy issues and that this whole affair is an attempt to fix it. Co-pays for everyone, <laughs> says Katie. 25 right? here, 25 there. That's a, where, You know who would have been a good therapist? Would have been Ned. I feel like Ned would have been a solid therapist. Oh, yeah. He should have just added that to his litany of jobs that he had. Like, and also, I'm a therapist. <laughs> he would look at you like he would judge you through his glasses a little bit. Like he'd look down and he'd, just he'd look, look over at, his glasses. Charles, how are you feeling? <laughs> How did that make you feel? <laughs> Aaron Gilmore Hoffman wrote in while listening to Hang Outlander. They brought up an interesting point and I wondered about everyone's input. I know I've heard Mary Larson say that she misses the sex and connection between Jamie and Claire, and I know I do. But I think the problem may be that the writers like Ron Moore and Iris Stephen Bear are not good at writing romance. Hmm. Do you think the show focuses too much on the battles, gore, male characters, etc., at the expense of Claire, female characters, and the romance at the heart of the story? Uh, listen, uh, I think Ron Moore is good at writing romance. To be, I don't think he's exceptional, but you know, for those of you who watched uh, Battlestar uh, Galactica, So say we all! Uh, you know uh, about Starbuck and uh, her love interest, and you know about Lee and, and his love interest, and you know all of those things. 
And if you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica yet, please do yourself the favor. If you consider yourself a fan of Outlander and Ron Moore, you literally have you you've done yourself a disservice if you have not watched Battlestar Galactica. That being said, I think Ron Moore is capable of writing um capable of writing romance ira bear is also capable of romance from what you've seen uh with Worf and and dax and all those other people in uh, deep space nine yes they're capable are they are they great at it Mm, i'm not gonna go there i'm going to blame money like i did before i think it's a problem with money and maybe ron and ira aren't lovey-dovey writers, but I think that there would have been more loving had there been more time. I think they write good relationships. And I guess I, yeah, I I wouldn't say that they're, they're bad at relationships at all. I, I enjoy their relationships. Yeah, no, cause you you get all the relationships like the, the Frank and Claire one that that's a good, that's a Ron Moore inspired relationship. And, And no matter what you think about book, Frank TV, Frank is pretty good. Uh, and, and it's you could see how he is relatively worthy of Claire. It, certainly, apparently, uh, not as worthy as Jamie, which I'm willing to admit. But he's still worthy of Claire. And the same thing goes for um, Rupert and Angus. That's a great relationship. Yes. And Murtaugh and Jamie and uh, even even uh, Claire and Murtaugh, all great relationships. Mm-hmm. They are certainly capable of writing it. And I don't want to. I don't want to put them down for that. No, no, no. I, I, I think you're right, money, sweetheart. Money has to do with it, and the fact that they got to blow through so much plot. These guys are expert writers, right? And I, I really feel like, um, I really feel like they, they are capable of doing what they are doing. Denise Stewart wrote in, Blake wanted to say something about Paris. I agree with you on so many points. I didn't care for it a whole lot. It didn't serve much of a purpose. Now, some things will come up again that is part of the story and it's needed. But here's the problem. Can you imagine the fallout that would have happened if they abbreviated it any more than they would than they did? There would have been many dialogues and scenes that came straight from the text and people were still up in arms. I could have done with less, but could the production have stood the wrath of the readers? Maybe as we move forward, they will have to test those waters. But I think it's early in the series that they were probably afraid to. So she wanted to know your thoughts. Well, um, actually, I put this in here because it inspired a great conversation, a great civilized, really awesome conversation on the clan gathering. And my interpretation of this is... Yes, Ron has a very fine line to tread here. He has to create his own show, but he also has to pay fan service to to all the people that who read the books. And would everybody freak out if Paris wasn't involved or it was it was condensed or it was just shoved aside? Yeah, I think book readers probably freak. So then you have to measure what the TV to book mix is. Okay. And if most of your viewers are TV watchers, then who the hell cares? Well, I'm going to tell you this. The Outlander verse is a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's not a short distance run. So some of the things or people that you've seen, you may have needed to see. Right. And so, I understand that. But the problem is, is that we spent six or seven episodes, whatever it was, or maybe even more than that. I forget now. But we spent that much time in Paris and we were introduced to all these different characters, and a lot of it amounted to nothing. Are we going to see? Are, obviously, we have Fergus, right? 
and obviously we have uh, we're probably going to see uh, Master Raymond again, and maybe even the Comte. I, I don't know if the Comte's really dead. Who knows? I think that he is, but let's just say that he that let's just say that he's not. Maybe he comes back, or maybe there are after effects of what happened in Paris. But here's the question: Can those things still be accomplished without Paris? And here's a further question: Can Fergus be accomplished in Scotland or England? Yes, he can be. It's not won't be Fergus, but you can get a, a Fergus-esque character. You could have a Fergus-esque character, but okay, you wouldn't have Fergus, right? But that that doesn't mean anything for for. The I'm prob- just gonna the- say patience, Blake. No, no, no. Let, let, let me, let me just, let me, let me flow here, right? I'm, I'm a, I'm a rapper. I'm just flowing now, okay? Everything that happened in France isn't unique to France. Like it, a lot of people say, well, Jamie needed the pardon to go back to Scotland. Well, no, he didn't. But he got the pardon. Fine. The problem is, is that he's still under. Um, uh, he, he's still like in, in trouble with the British now because the Bonnie Prince forged his signature, right? So he's in trouble now. So the, the pardon is now irrelevant. It doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And could the Bonnie Prince know who Jamie is if if there wasn't a France? And my argument is, yes, he could. Jamie and Claire could be stuck in Scotland or whatever. And be if they wanted to talk with uh, the Bonnie Prince... They could be speaking to one of his attaches or uh, one of his cohorts. Bonnie Prince learns about who he is and says, this Jamie guy sounds like a good guy. I'm going to forge his signature because he needs people. He needs backers. And he knows Jamie's name. Yes, is he trustworthy? Perhaps. But he knows who he is. So, boom, forge his signature. That's a move of desperation, not of coercion. Well, it's it's coercion, desperation, and it, but it's not... Um, an act of kindness that puts Jamie in hot waters. It almost blackmails him, right? In a lot of ways, it, it, it's it, it's extortion. It's I'm gonna sign your name and you're gonna help me. If not, the British are gonna come kill you. And I I just I don't I don't see it. And then you have all the other stuff. You have the Louise and you have um every, you have all that other stuff. The only thing, and, and, a, and a listener made this point in the clan gathering, which was I really agreed with, and, and it would be hard to argue around, which is what Claire and Jamie did in France was actually hurt the Jacobite cause. Had they allowed the Duke of Sandringham to give the Bonnie Prince the money, which would then lead to the French king giving the Bonnie Prince money for the Jacobite rebellion, then that would have happened and the rebellion probably would have been a lot easier and a lot better. And you cannot explain that away if Jamie and Claire are in Scotland or in England. You see, the thing that what I liked about it is if Jamie and Claire are in Scotland, you can still get most of these things. You still have the added pressure of um, Blackjack Randall and the English finding them. And you're still around the characters that you know and love. You're still in the setting that you know and love. Yeah, France was beautiful, but Scotland is unique. Scotland is where this show finds its heart. It is the other character. So when you let go of that, you're letting go of that familiarity. And you're letting go of, to your, letting go of your connection. So 
I think we were supposed to feel that. I'll, I'll give this. Jamie and Claire were both out of their element. They were both very uncomfortable. We as viewers were meant to be there with them. We as readers were meant to feel uncomfortable and out of place. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Scotland is a character to us. France is this whole foreign character to us. This one we don't want to be friends with. And we're supposed to feel that unease. So I can appreciate your feelings and your thoughts. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> On Twitter, Grace S tweeted, "It was hard to see Jamie's kill. I know he's a soldier, a leader, but it made my heart heavy." Mm. Tear emoticon. <laughs> Baker B tweeted, "Dougal, now captain of dragoons, just like the other mad bastard with whom we are acquainted." Bjr. Oh my God, that's right. Mm-hmm. You see, oh the savage barbarian scott now part of the dragoons like the savage barbarian blackjack randall yeah oh great stuff and i loved this she had a a hashtag rest in peace lieutenant foster uh just just a quick note guys if you come up with really witty hashtags you're more likely to be on the listener feedback because i really (laughs) like that one hashtag log carriers (laughs) wendy seaton tweeted just watched episode 10 Ugly crying. Glad no one is here to see it. They wouldn't <laughs> understand. Marilyn Neenan wrote in five kilts, loved the episode, cried for Angus, but really wanted to stuff Mark Me down the prince's throat. Oh my God. How many freaking more Mark Me's we're going to have to endure for the rest of this season? There's only three more episodes. Thank like, God. Worry. And one of them will be mostly in the future, says our says our listeners. Joanna Bush wrote in, Does anyone among the Redcoats army besides Black Jack Randall know Red Jamie's wife is English? Still thinking the Duke of Sandringham is a double agent. <laughs> that emoticon, I don't even know how to describe that. That just looks like a sad one. <laughs> On Instagram... Thrill Clicker wrote in, while Jamie intellectually knew that Claire was from the future, I believe that at that moment, after the battle, he really realized that she was from the future. It was an odd couple of looks that he had in his face. Either that or he was trying not to throw up. And you know what, Thrill Clicker or Click? Kicker? I don't really know. <laughs> Thrill clicker. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it would have been both. But it's really cool. You're right. It's like you can believe something, but then seeing, it takes it to that extra level believing. Right. So for her prediction of you're going to win this battle to come true, it's true. Yep. Lisa Balmy five. Uh, Lisa Balm wrote five kilts. The good, every character's last thoughts before the battle. The bad, Angus's death. I did not expect that. And the great, the men using the weather and the trail to take the British by surprise was an excellent move on Jamie's part. You know, I really liked all of the final thoughts. Well, not final, but the last thoughts that they had mm-hmm. prior to the battle, especially the one from Murtaugh. That really hit home for me because it's so easy to get riled up and, yeah, we're going to war, we're going to kill the British, blah, 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 blah. And, but, you know, but then again, we have Murtaugh saying, none of this is going to matter if I die. Mm-hmm. What, is, what, 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 do I, what do I matter? Like, think of that existential, like, crisis that he's undergoing at that point yeah what what am i even doing here why am i pushing the rock up the hill love that brenda ren silva sure why not said the good was the background music and the sound effects it enhanced every emotion that i was already feeling till i felt like my heart was in my throat the ticking when claire and the woman were preparing and waiting for the battle then the screams and the booms of battle it just really made the scene so much more. 
the bad was Dougal being a vicious, merciless savage. He should have taken the man to the infirmary. Uh, I agree, but that wouldn't be Dougal. I'm glad that he did that. I mean, I'm not glad that he just killed a guy, but I'm glad for the character that we're seeing it. I think that's awesome. And the great was Jamie, of course, from his natural leadership in the planning room and battlefields to his kindness to his enemies. His character really shine in this episode. And a bonus, his look of triumph and swoon-worthy kiss to Claire. Yes, 4.9 kilts. Uh, Nursey Poo, Salt, how do we say this? Nursey Pull Us. I'm really bad with Instagram names, guys. <laughs> Nursey Poon Us. Nursey Poo, Nursey Poo underscore us okay it did not follow the book Dougal and his men didn't join them until sterling and then it was rupert dying in a church at Dougal's hand angus wasn't even a main character in the book like he is in the show column wasn't heard from until right before culloden and even that was just a blurb sure as hell wasn't at the old fox's castle this season is making me insane says nursey <laughs> Pooh. it's been wrong over and over. I don't know what book they read, but it wasn't the same one I read six times. And you know what, Nursey mm. Pooh? You can have your opinions. I know, Blake, you're shaking your head because you're just a show watcher. But I know that a lot of people who've read the books are having a tough time saying, what the heck just happened? Yeah, but as long as it makes sense within... The context of the show, who cares when Dougal comes in? But I'm saying, Blake, that there that a book reader's universe has been their universe. I mean, Nursey Pooh has read the book six times, for example. Sure, okay? sure. So you know it inside and out. And it'd be like someone coming and saying, Blake, I hate to break it to you, but the world is actually flat after all. And you're like, what? No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Ingus isn't dead. Yeah. No, no, he's not. What? <laughs> What? Column? They don't say column. That's not how... No. So I'm just saying that if, if you just let people... this is These books have been here for a long but, time. And and I don't want you to rile anyone's feathers because you're starting to tiptoe into some, some treacherous territory. So I'm just going to let you stop. Well, let, let, me, let me just say this one thing. If it doesn't suck, if it's not boring, if it, if it still makes good television... Does it really matter when th when things are introduced? That's a good question. So here's here's what I would like. I would like listeners to write in on the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering Facebook page and start this conversation. Honestly, aside from just saying that this is something that I've read and I know, if things are changed but they are pleasurable as a show, and it's organic to the show, tell us tell us what you didn't like that they did change and why you didn't like it in the context of the show because that right there would be a very interesting argument. Yeah. If you really didn't like that Column was seen, for example, and that Column showed up at the at the old fox's lair, tell us why. Mm -hmm. Tell us why it didn't work in the show. And it's, it's honestly, I just want to see these conversations. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing, but I just think it would be a really cool conversation starter. So once again, head on over to the Outlander cast clan gathering on Facebook and uh, we'll take things from there. Sounds good. Chihuahua 09. <laughs> Chihuahua. <laughs> that was a really good one. Wow. Uh, you know what? I mean, I, I'm just... <laughs> Chihuahua. I'm about to say Chihuahua get another one. again. Seriously. <laughs> Chihuahua. 
I got Shahuha! me. Shahuha! <laughs> uh, responded to Nursey Poo saying, Good to know that I'm not the only one who's bothered by the fact that they totally disregard the storyline in the book. They have so much story in the book that it makes sense. I don't know why they have to rewrite what everybody, uh, what everyone dearly loved about the books. I hate the way they change things, like having Claire say things that Jamie said. I understood the books are long and have to be condensed, but why throw in things there that aren't even in the book? The Leary uh, should be gone and married off by then. Also, Murtaugh did not know she was from the future, and she didn't freak out during the battle scene. Oh, I just thought that was the dumbest thing, yet after what she'd already been through already. So I wouldn't watch it except for Sam playing Jamie says, Chihuahua. <laughs> there you go. Chihuahua. I had to look away from the word. Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there's a lot of people who feel this way so let's have a conversation i can't even handle i'm Wait, sorry chihuahua from? what is that from uh oh that's from finding nemo yeah <laughs> shark bait yes <laughs> shark bait <laughs> that's what it is that's pretty much what i did i like oh, finding nemo her name oh my god and the tweet of the week Blake, let's go it's to time. All right, this week's uh, Tweet of the Week comes, by the way, uh, if I could just uh, open it, there we go, Uh, comes by the way of Erica on uh, on Twitter, and uh, she says, uh, 4.8 kilts, um, uh, not five because of the first 14 minutes, Uh, the Misty Battles are great, Uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie's outfit was funny, but that Jamie and Claire reunion, though, Woo, this is me. And she has a gif of Blanche from the Golden Girls showering herself with a mister. Uh, and I just thought that was the funniest freaking thing on the planet. It I, is. I, I just Blanche doing that from the Gold, Golden Girls. Just like, whew, there it is. I'm going to put this. I'm actually going to put the tweet on the show notes just so you guys get to see how amazing, amazing. this tweet is. So, Erica, for being this week's tweet of the week, you get a $20 gift card to the Tag Your It Etsy shop. Tag your mama. Tag your pet. Tag your... It. It. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. There you go. All right. It's time for our voicemails. Hi. My name is Gail. I'm from Illinois. This is my first time calling in. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the last episode, which I have to say was not one of my favorites. I initially rated it, I think, two kilts, and I might be willing to bump that up to three, but there were some problems and inconsistencies with it that I didn't like. And Blake, you said some things at the end that I agree with. Um, first of all, with Claire, um, I didn't like how she was portrayed in this episode. She seemed just very hostile. Um, and I at first liked the flashbacks with, um, you know, the origins of the, of her Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. I really liked that. Um, but then as the flashbacks started getting darker, it seemed very inconsistent. Going back to the garrison commander, when she was with the British military again, she, you know, she felt happy and at home, like she was in familiar territory again. Um, and she didn't seem to have any negative connotations with the military that she seems to be having in this episode. So I just thought it seemed very inconsistent with her character, um, as we've seen it in the past. Um, and I, I definitely agree with you about Jamie. You know, it's like he was suddenly this great leader. And I know that so many book fans, which I am a book fan, um, really idolize Jamie and think he's perfect and he's just a natural leader. 
Um, but no one, I think, is really that much of a natural leader. You know, you do have to learn things to become a better leader. Um, and I know we know that Jamie has had military experience in the past in France, and they did talk about that a bit back in the watch episode. Um, but I think I think it would have been better to have some Jamie flashbacks, like you had mentioned, to see him in the military, to see him, you know, flashing back to being um, in an organized army, you know, as he was giving that speech about an organized army is what is going to win. Um, I think it would have been great to do some flashbacks for both of them um, in that episode. I think that would have made it a much stronger episode. Um, so that's my thoughts. And, you know, part of why I didn't like it, um, for me, it just didn't, there's just something about it that didn't ring right. It seemed a bit inconsistent. And, um, and uh, I wish I could have connected better with it, but I didn't. So I'm trying to like it more, but thanks for listening. Bye. Well, thank you for calling in. I really appreciate that. I, first of all, uh, what I want to say is next time when you get a chance, I'm not sure. Did, I'm not sure. Did you say where she, who, what her name was, where she was from? I, I don't think, I don't think you did. If you did, I apologize. But if, if you didn't next time when you call in, uh, get, get, let us know. Um, but what I want to say is, yes, I, I understand your point uh, about uh, Claire and her character in that she was more comfortable uh, in the military prior to this episode. And then all of a sudden she has this PTSD. The thing I will argue against you is that PTSD just comes at random times. It's not it's something just sets it off. It's not like you just have it and that's that. Uh, and it clearly, uh, seeing these two young Scots reminded her of the two young Americans. And that is, that is what triggered her brain. So I can explain that away. What you did bring up though, is a really cool idea. And Mary, I want to get your idea on this too, which is in Je suis prêt. See, you like that? I still, I can still pronounce it. Right? Je suis prêt. In that episode, if they had Jamie flashbacks, would it be more believable to you that he is as good of a leader as he appeared to be like he knows what he's doing. And if they had the flashbacks and they juxtaposed that with Claire's flashbacks, would it be better for you to understand that? Or would that be too much? I feel like that would have been too much for me in an hour Mm -hmm. to have modern day, Jamie, modern day, Claire flashback, Claire and flashback, Jamie. But I would have liked to see some of Jamie in the past, but I just don't think there would have been time for it. And I would have just felt really confused and I would have not known where I was since I would have been in three time places. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a little confusing, a little bit yeah. much. All right, let's do the next one. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Carol from Massachusetts. I um, don't think I've called in yet this season. Thank anyway, you, girl. I'm calling about um, episode 209. You know, I didn't think I was going to like this episode because of, you know, the previews I saw, but I love this episode. It was just awesome. Five kills. It was wonderful. Uh, my GBG uh, good was the um, Bear McCurry music. It was just fabulous. Um, and seeing Angus and Rupert again, I loved. The bad was Angus's feet. They were nasty. <laughs> and the great was Jamie and his arc and seeing him become a leader. Um, and he is the king of all men, and you saw why. Um, you know, and I really especially liked when he took the um, the uh, lashes, because I think a good leader or a great leader 
doesn't take credit when um, things go well. He credits his men, and when things go poorly, he takes the blame. And that's what Jamie does, and that's why people follow him and love him. Um, so that's it. Um, I'm voting for you guys every day. I hope you guys win podcast awards. Uh, bye. You know, I'll I'll tell you, I never, ever get sick of hearing people from Massachusetts. You know, Carol <laughs> didn't have a distinct accent, which is which is fine, but more people from my home state are calling in and I, I love the support. Even though they don't know they're supporting me, they are because I'm such an outsider here in Rhode Island. You know what? I'm going to make a call to any Rhode Islanders. <laughs> I need you to call in and represent. Represent, guys. I know we're small, but we're proud. Let's do this. You know, and the funny thing is too that we go from the first caller to now this one saying, wow, Jamie is a leader. It's great. And he is the king of men. And, it's so funny how people react so differently to Jamie yep. and how he is, you know, like the, I'm, I'm not sure if the term is applicable here, but he's kind of like a Mary Sue. Like all of a sudden he is like just great at everything, no matter what he does. Like, you know, uh, Ray got that criticism in Star Wars, the, mm-hmm. re- the recent one. All of a sudden she was just great at everything. Now, p- there, there is an argument to be made there. It means that Jamie is a Jedi. <laughs> he has the force. <laughs> Oh my god! I've solved the puzzle. Oh my god. Greatest crossover ever. Oh my god, could you imagine? Maybe he's the chosen one. He totally has high midichlorian quote. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, let's just, you know, I'm going to leave that one there. I'm going to leave it there. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Laura from White Plains, New York. I love the podcast. I always listen to it. Um, I would say for this episode, um, maybe 4.8, only because I don't really believe in giving five. I come from, uh, I'm also involved in Poetry Slam, and I don't really believe in giving a perfect 10. I don't think anything's ever perfect. I'm, I'm pressing pause because thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Laura from White Plains, New York. I appreciate you. Not everything is a five kilt. It, you, you, just, you, it, it, you can't have that all the Leave time. Leave me alone, Blake. What else? <laughs> all right. We can get back to it. So I say 4.8. Um, my good is um, the whole thing with Angus trying to say goodbye to Rupert and he would have none of it. They were, you know, mirroring the other goodbyes that they saw the lollybrock men making to each other. Um, yeah, and the bad was Dougal killing all the English soldiers, including the lieutenant from the garrison commander. And I think it's no accident that that guy was brought back since Iris Stephen Bear wrote the garrison commander. So I'm sure that's why he thought of that, uh, bringing that, by, that guy back to make a care more what Dougal's doing um, and my great I think would be when the good the one I said was my good all came back around and Rupert went and cradled the sword and was inconsolable um, so that's about it I'll just keep it short I uh, hope you guys win your podcasting award bye bye thanks Laura I hope we win too I will say that giving us that uh, connection to Lieutenant Foster, like we talked about earlier this episode, is a great idea. We know who he is. 
and we see the dichotomy and the differences between Dougal and Lieutenant Foster. Mm -hmm. And it gives you this sense of, holy crap, this is for real. This is really happening. Because killing a bunch of log carriers who are wearing red coats, it don't matter. But if you got somebody that you know, and the only other person that you actually really know is Lieutenant Foster, other than BJR. And you've already seen what happened with him. He got the John Wayne Bobbitt treatment, right? So, <laughs> you know, you feel bad enough for that. But then you get this guy gutted like a fish, essentially, by Dougal. And um, a really smart play by the one... The man, the myth, the legend, Iris Stephen Bear. Would you co-sign, my love? Preach. Hi, Marion Blake. Thanks for everything you do. I hope you win your podcast award. I left too long of a message before, so now I'm leaving a shorter one. <laughs> I just wanted to tell Blake that I love his accent. I love accents in general, and I lived in Boston for three years when I was in graduate school. And I love it when you make fun of the Bonnie Prince and his mark me because uh, when you say mark me, it sounds like a good old Boston mock me. And he's so ridiculous in every way that to, to think that he's saying mock me, <laughs> it just made me laugh. Um, but I think even though he's ridiculous, he's such a sad and complicated character. I, I uh, just... You know, I love the way they're painting him so complicated that the poor guy's dad doesn't like him. I just loved that line. And also, even though he knows he needs the Scots, he's very disdainful of them and thinks they're barbaric. He's just so delusional, thinking that the English might just embrace him, that uh, the whole mock me when you were saying mark me seemed perfect. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Well, I will tell you, you are welcome, my dear Listener, and again, uh, if you could just please provide a name and where you're from. But although I am so happy that you lived in Boston, more Massachusetts people coming to my rescue, making me feel at home in Rhode Island. I like that a lot. And, you know, this whole Bonnie Prince Charlie thing, it's tough because, you know, you're not supposed to like him, I think. You can't help but feel a little bit bad for him because he does have these daddy issues. The thing that really bothered me about this most when it comes to him is his delusional thinking that he's just going to go in and, and, and take all these towns. I'm just going to win. Yeah, hey, no problem. We'll throw a couple of guys over here. We'll throw a couple of guys over there. and uh, No blood will be shed. Are you kidding me, bro? <laughs> what the hell are we talking about, right? Does that make sense to you? Does do, He just... He doesn't get it, right? I concur. What a dingleberry. He really is a dingleberry. <laughs> I'm all set. Well, I think that's actually, that's the last voicemail, my darling. Thank you all of you who've taken the time to call in. It really is such a treat when we get to hear your voices and your thoughts. Yes. So thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. Uh, my love, are you ready to close out the show? Yes, I am. All right, let's do it. Uh, 